Amen. We're going to take our Bibles. We're going to go a different direction back there in the back. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. If you have a Bible this morning, and I hope that you'll get your Bibles out even in your home, underline some things, make some notes, and make sure that you're following along. It's important that we're in the Word of God. We don't want to be Bible illiterate. And uh, make sure that we're opening our Bible to the pages and turning along with the chapters. And it's good for us to be in the Word of God. Last Sunday night, I preached a message from Luke chapter 4 called a Christmas revival. And of course, it was the Lord Jesus Christ had come in out of the wilderness out of temptation. And he had uh, came in, the Bible says, the power of the Spirit. They went into a synagogue and they gave him a scroll to read. That was his custom, to be faithful uh, to the house of God in those days. And he would go in and uh, something pricked in the heart of the rabbi there and he gave him a scroll to read. So he took of Isaiah and he read the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61 regarding himself. And you know the passage, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and all those different things. But one of the ones that really stuck in my heart was to, to give liberty to the bruised, to set at liberty the bruised. And you know, we, that we, we learned that that phrase literally means to set people free, not to hold them in condemnation. And so often after somebody has hurt us or sinned against us or we have seen them fall prey to sin, we sometimes look at them differently. But the Bible says Christ came to set us at liberty from those things. I'm so thankful that when he came and saved my soul, he set me free. And you know, I was thinking about that passage of scripture a little bit, and, and I was preparing a message for uh, Sunday night, and, and as I was looking at uh, uh, the, the message for Sunday night, I was drawn to John chapter 6. And John chapter 6, we read about the feeding of the 5,000. You know, that's one of the few stories in the Bible, or the miracles of the Bible, that we find in all four Gospels. But in John chapter 6, and in all the other Gospels, it recounts the story, and it says that they took up 12 baskets full. I said to my wife tonight, you know, I'm thinking about that passage, the 12 baskets that were left over after Jesus blessed the bread and the fishes, and he gave uh, out to all the 5,000. That's just the men. There was women and children there. And then he said to his disciples, go and gather that none remain. And they took up 12 baskets full. I said, you know what that speaks of? That speaks of God's blessing. That when Jesus blesses us, it's just not in part, but it's in full. And God just overflowed those baskets and overflowed the fish and the bread that people were, the Bible says, when they had full, when they had eaten, that he was able to take back 12 baskets full when he only started with a little lunch. And I said, hon, we've been just so blessed. God has just overwhelmed us with everything that he has given to us. And, and, and when I got thinking about Luke chapter 4 and I got thinking about John chapter 6 and I put those things together, I realized this, God has blessed me most spiritually, setting me free from my sins, opening up that captivity and preaching liberty to the captive that we might not be held by those things that bruised us, those sins that brought us low. You know, I got thinking about that in the last few days, you know, it's been Christmas and the Christmas season, and I guess it was just Christmas Eve, my wife and I went out and we were getting some gifts for a needy family. Somebody had called and said, I, I'm not concerned about myself, but my grandchildren aren't going to have anything for Christmas. And so I, I don't know why, what it was. We, we, in other years, we've received 100 calls like that, but this year, we didn't receive any. 
It was the only call we received at the church that I'm aware of, unless one of the other men took a call. And my heart just, I don't know, right away the Lord said, do something about it. And so we took some gifts over and took some pajamas for the kids, and we just wanted to make sure they had some things. And we got there, and I saw the home, and I saw the situation, and I thought, boy, these are the people that Jesus was talking about, bound up by sin. We woke up on Christmas morning, and we saw the snow and the and everything going on, and, and I thought, just sitting here on the platform, I thought, you know, we, uh, we, we had a turkey dinner, hon, but a lot of people didn't even have a home. They were cold. Some were alone. We were keeping in touch with the Wilson family as Mr. Wilson was taken on Christmas Eve to the hospital, and I got thinking about spring being all alone all day. I says, Roger coming over. Said yes, he'll come over a little bit later. And just just to think about how blessed we have been, how God has blessed us so much. But I, I want to say that as we're recounting our blessings this Christmas season, we need to remember that the greatest blessing we ever received was Jesus Christ. And so I just want to spend a few moments in John chapter three this morning, and we'll we we won't be very long. And I and I kind of I've told everybody we're going to try to shorten things up a little bit. Because I know how it is sitting in your living room, and I know how the distractions come, and the phone will ring, and uh, different things will happen, and it's very difficult. And I think it's important that that if 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 we're going to be distracted, that perhaps we get more meat in a shorter time to make sure we're getting something from the Word of God before the distractions come. And by the way, if you let them come, the devil will sure send them. And so try to block out some things and block out a time for the Lord that you can spend. But let's look at John chapter three. This morning, and there's something I want to focus on a little bit, but we're going to start at the beginning. And if you'll come back tonight, the Lord has given me a message about the pandemic. And uh, you say, is the pan- word pandemic in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. The word in the Bible for pandemic is the word plague. And we see it many, many times in the Old Testament, but we only see it three times in the New Testament. Once in the book of Revelation, there was a plague of hailstones. But we see a plague with the woman with the issue of the blood twice. The Bible calls it a plague. And we're going to look at that subject tonight, and the title of the message is An Inconvenient Plague. I'm sure you've been inconvenienced. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 1, and we see a man, just like all those people I was just talking about. Somebody who was kind of all alone. Somebody who was without the covenant of God. Oh, he was a Jew. He was a ruler of the Jews. I'm sure he had friends, but when he stood in that synagogue with all those other leaders and teachers and Sadducees, he stood all alone because he thought differently. He was maybe even in his mind thinking, I better not say anything about this Jesus. I better not bring up the subject of Jesus, at least not in a positive way, because I won't have any friends left. So the Bible says this uh, Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus, look at verse 2, by night. I suppose he came by night because he didn't want anybody to know what he was doing. It was a matter of secrecy that he would come for, like I said a moment ago, he had many friends and other Pharisees, but even though they were there, he stood alone in his thinking. And he said unto him, Rabbi or teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I described that a few minutes ago in the middle of the hymn that you're born of the water, your mother's water breaks, and you're born of the Spirit, a spiritual rebirth. You have to be born again. You have to be born twice. We used to sing a song uh, when somebody had a birthday at Hillside Baptist Church in Missouri. We sing happy birthday, but then there was a second verse to it. Happy birthday to you, only one will not do. Born again means salvation. How many have you? The pastor always wanted to take that opportunity if there was any visitors there that night that they would understand that you must have two births. You must be born again. And so verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You'll remember from 1 Corinthians 15 that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We must be spiritual beings. And so the Bible says we must be born of the Spirit. Verse 7 says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, he must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou heareth the sound thereof, but canst not tell when it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. You know, so many say, well, we can't see the Spirit of God. John says you can't see the wind either, but you believe it. It blows back and forth, and you can see the effects of it, and you can hear the sound of it, and so it is with the Spirit of God. We can't see Him, but we know He is here. He's in our lives. He's present in our spirit. Verse 9 says, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and received not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. I say, what does that mean? Read it again, verse 13. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven... Even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. What the Lord Jesus Christ is doing here, telling Nicodemus is, you ought to listen to me because I know the way. I've been to heaven. Nobody else has been to heaven. I've been there. You know, so many people today have an opinion of how to get to heaven. Well, I can just be a good person. I can do good works. I can work at a charity. I can give money to the needy. I can do all kinds of things. And we listen to them, and everybody has an idea about heaven. How many of you heard when somebody has died, they'll say, well, you know, some, they're just looking down on us now. That came up at my mother-in-law's funeral. My brother-in-law said, you know what? Does that mean mom's, mom is looking down on us now? And, and our son and I, we began to talk about it. And we said, well, no. Even God couldn't look at Jesus on the cross because of sin. Why would God allow us to look into this world? Now, I believe they're praying for us. The Bible indicates that they're praying for us. But why would they look into this sinful, lost world? They are in a perfect place, not to be infected by our frailties. But so many people have an idea what heaven is and what heaven looks like and what heaven will be like. And, and, and they make up ideas of what it means to go to heaven. And everybody that ever died is in heaven because... God is love. But let me tell you, if you're going to listen to somebody about how to get to heaven, you ought to listen to somebody who's been there, 
Jesus said, nobody's gone to heaven except for the Son of Man who descended from heaven. Jesus later would say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. You must all come through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care what all these other religions teach or they're trying to proffer and they're trying to build their own earthly kingdoms. Friends, if it doesn't preach the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, that we must by faith come through him and he will save us by his grace as a free gift, they are lost and dying and going to hell. You can only come through Jesus Christ. Verse 14 gives a little more description. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Moses was told to, to lift up a brazen serpent on a pole. The people back in that day had sinned, and the Bible says that they were being bit by vipers, and people were dying of these poisonous snakes. And if all they would do is look at this viper, this snake that was erected upon a pole, they would take a look of faith and live. I don't believe for a moment it was idol worship, because it was a matter of obedience to God. God had given them a way, a way of escape. If they would just look by faith... They would be saved. The Bible says Moses was lifted up that serpent, so Jesus, the Son of Man, would be lifted up on a cross. And in the same way those people looked to that serpent and were saved by faith in God, we must look to Jesus Christ and be saved. But look at verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's it. There's no good works that'll save you. There's nothing wrong with good works. Going to church won't save you. That's a good thing to do when you're saved. We ought to worship God, but that's not going to save you. We ought to sing his praises, but that's not enough to save you. The Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have Everlasting life. I was sitting over on the bench listening to Donna sing that Jesus came to rescue a sinner like me. And I got thinking about this verse we'd already talked about, Nicodemus, earlier in the service. That God so loved the world. That family we took gifts to in Brantford. The people that were out in the cold on Christmas Day. The families that had nowhere to go. God loved them just as much as he loved you. That's what Christmas is about. Not, not that it's an exclusive religion that's available. The Bible says that Christ, God so loved the world. That Christ died for the sins of many. That if we believe in him, we should not perish but have everlasting life. But look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world. I'm just reading the scriptures. I'll get to what I want to say in a moment. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that through the, that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he, not, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds we're evil. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, help us. Lord, maybe there's somebody listening today that doesn't know Christ as Savior. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would grip them right now before they turn off this broadcast. 
God, I pray that you get a hold of their heart and allow them to focus in upon the last few moments of this, this word from the Lord. I pray that they would see their need of a Savior before it's eternally too late. Father, what a shame if we would leave this Christmas season and not one more time preach the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. Just yesterday we celebrated your birth. Today may we speak of eternal life and the second birth through Jesus Christ who came to save our souls. So Father, for the next few moments I ask for your power that you might fill me with your Holy Spirit. That you would speak to hearts, to whoever is listening. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, there is, there, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I believe that when I was five years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I had eternal life. I'm saved. There's times over my life I've struggled with sin. I have failed. But Jesus Christ has kept his word that he will never leave me nor forsake me. He's brought conviction to my life in those times. There's times where I've had to weep and plead with God over my sin. But he loves me as a child and he chastens me. For many of you, it's the same. You accepted Christ as your Savior and you know God as your Savior and you have struggled with this old flesh. The Bible calls it a war. The Spirit warreth with the flesh and we, we fight back and forth. Even the Apostle Paul said, the things I should be doing, I'm not. And the things I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing, I am. And oh, wretched man that I am. And I know exactly how he feels and so do you. But we cling to that verse. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Though we sin and we fail, we are not condemned because we are his children. Because he has saved us. Because our sins, past, present, and future, are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. The price has been paid in full. We don't have to worry anymore whether or not we are going to heaven. As the same author in John chapter 3 writes in 1 John chapter 3, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And we rest in that fact that we know Jesus. And the Bible says back in John chapter 3 and verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world, listen, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The thought that convicted my heart in the last couple days and even more intensely in the last hour is that thinking of all those people we've come in contact with in the last week, the ones that are lost, the ones that are hurting, the ones that are outcast, the ones that are poor, the Lord Jesus Christ never condemns them, but often God's people do. We may not have the ability to send them to hell, and that's what condemnation means, but how do we look upon them? Do we condemn them with our actions and our words and we look at them and wonder, did they end up in that situation because they made a foolish mistake? Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. I didn't come to put people down. I didn't come to, to cast people into hell. I didn't come to castigate people for their sins. And Jesus preached on sin. 
He healed a blind man. He said, go and sin no more. He healed the leper and he said, go to the temple and offer an offering of thanks unto the Lord and sin no more. Jesus believed in sin and he preached against it. But he didn't come to condemn, he came to save. He came to help, he came to be a light into a lost and a dying world. He that believeth on him is not condemned, and he that believeth not is condemned already. Listen, condemnation only comes, listen, when we don't believe in Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people have been hurt by the church. Believe, believe me, I, I live in Simcoe, Ontario. Every man, woman, and child of any door we ever knock on says, I, I've been to Bethel. I went to Bethel as a kid. As a matter of fact, the lady that called us for help the other day went to Bethel on the bus ministry back in the 70s. I've been to Bethel. We all have a perception, and it doesn't matter what church in Simcoe you're talking about. If they've been there in the past, they think, well, Christians are a certain way. I don't go to church because Christians are hypocrites. They may be right. But understand this. If you walk into Bethel Baptist Church, I want to make you a promise. No matter how you're treated, I hope you're treated well. No matter how you're treated, nobody in this room has the power to condemn. Nobody. Only Jesus. And what did Jesus say about it? I didn't come to condemn. I've come that you could have life. The only condemnation is not believing in Jesus. Some would call it the unpardonable sin. We've discussed what that is in all walks of life and in all churches I've been in. People wonder what exactly is the unpardonable sin. I'll tell you what I believe it to be. I believe it is the ultimate rejection of Jesus Christ. I believe it's when you die in your sins in that moment you can no longer repent and no longer turn to Jesus Christ. It's when that last call of God goes out upon your life and pleads with you and says come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's, it's all uh, the, the last time he says whosoever will may come and we refuse him and we slip off into eternity without Christ. We are lost. The Bible says in the end times that the dead, both small and great, will stand before God. Not the living, not those who are in the book of life, but the dead. And the Bible says the death and sea will give up their dead and hell will give up their dead and they will stand at the great white throne judgment. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire. That's condemnation. But listen here, friends. I'm here to give you some good news tonight. It's not about condemnation. It's about escaping it. The good news is there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Listen, don't go off into eternity without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Verse 19 says, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Oh, that's pretty much the case with a lot of people, isn't it? I don't want to hear about that, Jesus. I'm just kind of happy where I'm at. Don't bother me with religion. I was just talking to somebody the other night. I, I'm trying to remember who it was. They had a new neighbor. and So they witnessed to them, and they were good neighbors. 
got along well, and so we witnessed two or three times. And finally, the fellow says, I like being your neighbor, and we've been good neighbors, but if we're going to continue to be good neighbors, I'd prefer you don't talk about this anymore. They said, what am I going to do? Men love darkness rather than the light. And the Bible says, because their deeds are evil. Friend, you know Jesus Christ. Nicodemus came with a question. He asked the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Nobody can do these miracles except God be with them. And Jesus looked into his heart and he said, Verily, verily, I send you except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus went aside, who, who asked that question? I, I didn't say anything about being born again. I just know you're come from God. He said, no, there's a real issue here. You're either going to be condemned or you're not. You're going to be saved or lost. You're either going to be born again or just going to have a physical birth and nothing more. You're born once, you die twice. You're born twice, you only die once, a physical death. Nicodemus was searching and Jesus knew it and he said, you must be born again. He says, if you believe not, you're condemned. But if you'll just come to Jesus, there's no condemnation. You say, how can that be? If God is a holy God, a righteous God, a just God, there has to be punishment for sin. You're absolutely right. He took it all and he put it on his son. Jesus Christ, and they nailed it to the cross. That's where all your sin went. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus paid it. Listen, if you, if you die and go to hell, it's not because of your sin. It's because you reject Jesus Christ. I like what that song sang, we sang earlier, Heaven Came Down. I took of the offer of grace he did proffer. Delivered us from our sins. He paid the price on the cross. And now all we have to do is believe. Listen, somebody said this. I'd be an atheist, but I don't have that much faith. Everybody believes in something. You believe in the world was created by evolution. Some believe it was created by God. We believe it was created by God. The Bible teaches it was created by God. In seven days, six days, seventh day he rested. You have faith in something. You believe in something. You believe that when you die, something is going to happen. Can I tell you this? Jesus has already been to heaven. He said so. He said, the Son of Man is descended from heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. He knows the way to the Father. If you're going to believe in something, why not believe in Jesus? Why not believe in him? The Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Trust me, friend, if you trust in Jesus, you'll never regret it. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And Daniel's going to play something on the piano. I just want to take a moment before I pray and just plead with you one last time to make sure you know Jesus Christ. Here's an interesting th thought for you this morning, and I, and I would encourage you to do this. 
Some of you Bethel folks tuned in this morning and thought, well, I've heard this salvation message a thousand times. Here's the good news. You're at home in your lazy boy in your pajamas. You can watch another church service right after this. How's that? Well, for now, would you pray with me about the gospel message? Would you pray that somebody watching or listening would bow their head right now and ask Jesus to save them? And friend, it is just that simple. You come to him in faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. You say, well, what do I pray? Just turn to Jesus and say, I believe. I believe that you died to pay the price for my sins. Please forgive me. And then turn away from that past and turn to Jesus today. That's called repentance. Quite trusting in everything else you're trusting in. And trust only in Jesus Christ. And friends, he'll gloriously save you right now. You'll be born again. The Spirit of God will come into your life and save you. You say, there's something going on in my heart right now. That's the Spirit of the living God wanting to make you his child. He can do it today. And I know we're not going to destroy you in the deep end and ask you to swim. We want you to call us. We want you to email us. We want you to get on our website and contact us. We want to talk to you. We want to help you. We have discipleship programs. We have Bible studies that will help you. We want you to get into church when we open up again. But friend, whatever we can do to help you, we want you to be saved. There's a message on your screen right now how you can call or text us and speak to us about eternal life, and we'll show you what the Bible says about knowing Christ. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we love you, and we pray that if somebody is listening who knows not Christ, who's walking in condemnation, that today they'd be gloriously born again, that they would trust you before it's eternally too late. Oh God, speak to hearts, Lord, and take this feeble attempt at presenting the gospel, and may would you empower it with your spirit and ring it in the hearts and ears of those that are listening. Lord, don't let them, uh, don't let them rest until they've accepted Christ as Savior. Father, we want to help them today, so I pray, Lord, that you would help us, guide us to some folks that we can help today. And Lord, we'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.